can't get enough, Mummy Dearest? Double your content by subscribing to our Patreon. Subscriptions as low as $1 a month, because Zach and I are two cheap little hussies and we'll take what we can get. Now, on to the show. Welcome to the Mummy Dearest Podcast, a podcast where we used to talk about the mummy, but now we talk about other movies too. Welcome back, everybody, to the Mummy Dearest Podcast, where we unwrap pop culture from the 90s, 2000s, and today. I'm Zach Mellon. I am Sloane Steele, and we have with us in the studio New York Times best-selling author and host of the Everything Iconic podcast, Danny Pellegrino. Hello, Sloane and Zach. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so happy we finally got to make this happen. We've been. I, it's. I feel like it's in the works. Can we say it's been in the works? Is that it's been in the works. Okay. Danny, you've been I'm- an inspiration for. I mean. I think the first time I listened to your podcast was like your Hocus Pocus episode, like really, like a really long time ago. And it was, I mean, you, you're an inspiration to us all. Thank you. We're sort of in Hocus Pocus season now. I was just reading about the sequel and I'm, I'm very excited yet. I know it'll be terrible. Did you see the trailer? I know you did. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah. And I just don't have any, faith or much faith in the Disney plus of it all, because I was bamboozled with home alone. I was excited for the reboot and it was sort of a weird reboot sequel because buzz was in it. And then it was just so bad. I got so mad at it. And I felt like they didn't even know what made the first one good. Like it wasn't even, they didn't even have a cozy house. And I know we're going to get into father of the bride of it all because that's one of the most important things when it comes to really any film, but particularly like anything in the genre that's for women and gay men. It's like you mm-hmm. need to have a cozy interiors. And Nancy Myers knew that. Look at the three that. of us. Look at right. the three of us. Look at our cozy interiors. I'm in a basement. <laughs> My messy <with> bed. <laughs> <laughs> women and gays. Look at Just us. A, I know. But we don't <laughs> see in our real lives, we don't, we, we don't have to do it, but we want to see it on screen. We Danny, to, where in the and casita? And to be honest, look, I have a I have a pumpkin candle at my desk. <gasps> oh my god! Oh yeah, is it lit it's or lit. is it just it was lit? No, I have a Barbara oh. Streisand candle. Oh, I love that, Zach. You guys, I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing autumnal near me, but I did put on a sweater, even though it's literally eighty-seven degrees outside. Wait, look at this. Will people be able to see <gasps> Ooh, this? McDonald's. I just pulled yeah. it out of storage. It's the McDonald's McPumpkin. Yeah, of course. We all had those. Yeah. Danny, you're like, you're flooding me with emotion. So before we get into Father of the Bride, we obviously have to ask you a couple of questions like, how does it feel to be a New York Times selling author? I imagine terrible. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, it's not great. No, no, it it was so exciting. I mean, I uh, was just happy that people liked the book because I had tried to get this book off the ground for a while. And a lot of people, a lot of the bigger publishers said no. And then I ended up signing with this great publisher out of the Midwest. And I think even they were sort of like, oh, well, we'll be, it'll be nice to just you know, sell a yeah. couple copies. And so it was thrilling that it did so well and continues to keep selling and people keep discovering it. And I'm so proud of it. And I'm, I'm working on the next one now. So I'm excited for uh, that one. And, and yeah, I just, I, I hope people, if people are listening and they haven't got it, hopefully you can read it and, and there's silly stories and stuff. In do you there want to tell people what it's called? Or I can yeah. tell them it's called How Do I Unremember This? Yeah, well, there you go. It's called How Do I Unremember This? Yeah, there's silly stories. There's a couple more serious chapters. But it's just, I always describe it as like my version of a David Sedaris book. So it's just supposed <laughs> to make people laugh. And then there's a couple other stories. Tons of pop culture references. I'm just upset because um, I'm working on a book proposal and I literally have the phrase, this is sort of like a bad version of David Sedaris, but your book is actually a good version of David Sedaris. I have it. But that you have to use these kind of buzzwords and I, you know, that's what, and selling it and all of that kind of stuff. I've been trying to get on book talk because the editors and everyone, they'll like, you know, encourage, they want you to get on to do book talk, which is TikTok, yeah. but then it's for books. And I'm trying to learn it. It's like stressful. I'm like, I can't it's figure tough. this out. You it's have too much, much on your plate. It's too much. It's too much. I, I have, that's weird. I have like a little bit of book talk on my TikTok FYP, and I don't know where that's coming from, but. Well, probably for me, because I'm tagging everything past my book talk in an effort to somehow land <laughs> You tagged Dorit, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
like, you're like tagging. <laughs> it's hard. But I, I see the, some of these authors are so great on there. And I'm like, how are they doing it? Like, I'm trying to figure it out. And then I did one video and my boyfriend, Matt, who's like better at the TikTok thing, he was like, oh, you didn't put a like trending sound on it. I was like, what's a, what's a trending sound? <laughs> that works. Yeah. I thought that that was like it's a too ploy. Much. I, I thought that was like for a, TikTok. I can't I can't understand it. I just tried to use it and like I make videos all the time and I'm just like, who am I doing this for? This is so embarrassing. And that's how I'm they want to sell own. books yeah. now. It's like the big thing. It's like you gotta be on there and sell your books and and hope to get on. Now even at the stores they have shelves that just say book talk picks <gasps> or something. Yeah. It's oh like God, a, really? so depressing. Danny, I will say this. When I go into a local bookstore for you and our friend Jen Winston, I always go around and I, if I find your guys' books, I put them like front and center on display. Thank you. Always, every time I go in, I'm always just like, pick of the week and I just like move the books. Are you allowed I do to that do too. that? I don't know. Yeah, no, I do that. I do that <laughs> I do too. That yeah, I sign them too if I'm in a bookstore. And I got in trouble the last time I was in a bookstore because the guy's like, why do you have a marker on the book? And I, You're like, don't so, ask. I felt like such a douche though because I was like, oh, it's my book. But then he didn't, he was like, I don't know. It just felt very awkward. And I was He's like, like, should I get the store again. manager? <laughs> yeah. Like I, he was like, what are you doing? That's so funny. Were you like signing copies of Moby Dick? You're like, I'm the author. Yeah. <laughs> well, book. here, the trick is though, if you sign the book, they can't return it. So it's like an automatic sale. So if you're in a bookstore and you can see your book, you always sign it. And then I think you're supposed to though, ask them or tell the front desk so they put a sticker on it, but they can't books usually all bookstores for all books they'll order like large amounts of copies and then they return to the publisher whatever's left over but they can't return a signed copy so beautiful Damn, you're brilliant oh my god you're a bamboozled jane you learn from right. the best you really <laughs> you gotta did. do what you gotta do there's one thing i learned from those ladies <laughs> before we go into father of the bride we just have to ask you obviously like you are you're you're our andy cohen like I know Andy Cohen's your Andy Cohen. You are our Andy Cohen because it has to filter through you to us. Do you know what I mean? Thank you. Thank you. So this is like we have to ask you some Bravo things, obviously. Let's do it. And I have a way to tie it all back to Father of the Bride. So just – Oh, I know what your tie-in is going to be. Listeners, yeah. Okay, we know. We all know. I think I know. (laughs) I'm going to be she, 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 she. Yes. And I have a lot of thoughts and opinions and facts about it. I'm so excited. Okay, but very quickly, I need to ask you – do you really enjoy seeing Storm, Kyle's dog? I do think they need to scale it back for sure. There's too much Storm content, but I do like Stormy. Is Stormy the new split or the new ponytail spin? I I think that I haven't been as hyper-focused on Stormy because of the Mauricio of it all, because I'm like, mm-hmm. he needs to get the fuck out of there on that cast trip. Oh my and God, so Ramona would I'm, lose it. Ramona would lose it. I mean, it's just unacceptable. I feel like it's unacceptable on behalf of the producers, on behalf of the cast. The fact that no one is speaking up in the cast and saying, why the fuck is he here? Get him out of here. And the fact that the producers just allowed him to hijack this trip. I don't care that he's providing the house from the agency. He's also doing a Netflix show. So why are they? That's why he's on it. But like, so many shouldn't NBC Universal be pissed that he's doing a competing network show? Like, why would they want him on there? Like, I if don't anything, know. I would think they'd say, stop it. Get out. And the 818 tequila, it's like wh- like the cross promo that's going on is like very deeply confusing. And <laughs> I just feel like, is this all to get us to drink Kathy Hilton's tequila? Because now I'm going to go to the store and like find it and drink it because I feel so bad. And don't you feel like there's a lot of Kardashian-Jenner stuff? And it's like they're on yes. a different network too. And normally yeah. they're – People are crazy. The networks are crazy about that kind of stuff. And yet on Beverly Hills Housewives, we're getting all these weird network crossovers. It's so much publicity, I think. I think they're just like, I think wherever the publicity is coming from, they're like, just take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just I just felt like maybe you had spoken up about being pro-Storm because you have such a large <laughs> following that you were too scared to come out as anti-dog, which is how you truly feel. And if you need to say that, you can no, say no. it here. I, I actually, I'm very pro-dog. I, and again, I just am focused on the Mauricio, but I'm pro dog, and I think Stormy's actually a very cute dog. So I am pro Storm. It's, Stor- is Stormy Storm is a Stormy? cute dog. I think it's Storm, if, or Storm, Stormy, Stormy, Stormy Apple Juicy. I think. Or what about what about the amount of dogs Lisa Vanderpump had? Were you okay with that? 
I liked her dogs. I didn't like when it got because I am very pro dog, but I didn't like. I'm not pro like horse or pony, so I didn't like when it veered into that territory. Like I liked seeing like schnookums. <laughs> I liked the other ones. It was too much. I just needed to know if you're going to stay in Kyle's Aspen house, would you stay in the bunk bedroom? Do you think it looks cozy? I worry about the environment of the bunk bedroom because it's in the lower level. It's already a weird altitude situation there. And in basements, there's like a weird air quality anyway, because obviously you don't get as much air circulation in the basement. And so I wouldn't want to stay there. However, I'm currently in one and I agree with you. The one appealing thing about it is that it's like away from everyone else. So Mm -hmm. that part is nice. That's nice. That's nice. How many hangers would you ask for? I just need to know. <laughs> Upwards of 10. Upwards of 10. Okay. All right, Zach, you ask your questions now. No, I was just going to say, what I, you- Wait, I'm interrupting though. I don't even know if Kathy needed any hangers because what did she pack? Like a peace t-shirt and some pajama bottoms. <laughs> it was just knits. A it was, yeah. bag and some slippers. <laughs> Kyle Folded is being knits. so- Kyle's being so fucking mean to her. I'm desperate to know. What do you think the text messages are about, Danny? What do they say? <laughs> Well, the whole rumor is that there, Kathy had used these slurs at the club that night and I think also went back to Ka- Kyle's house and uh, yelled at Kyle and maybe had a little bit of a meltdown. But I'm curious mostly of what they'll show because Kathy was at the reunion, but I had heard that they didn't show the gals the last three episodes of the show, which normally they do before oh. the reunion. So Whoa. I think maybe – I don't know if that's a rumor or not, but I'm choosing to believe it as a fact. And so I think maybe they just – um had to do that to lure Kathy there. But I don't know that they're going to show much. I feel like mm-hmm. they don't have cameras. I'm disappointed they didn't have a GoPro in the house. And so Why I don't know isn't what there a camera on Storm's collar following these ladies right. around Aspen? Where just, is that footage? That kind of security GoPro footage at least would have picked up the audio and they could have subtitled it of Kathy's Bethany meltdown. would have had it. Bethany would have had it on her phone. It, it's It's – we need someone there. The women on this on this franchise, I think, are so... It's weird because they're very loyal to each other outside of the right. show. However, they're arguing and they're... It's, I think they, they get their wires crossed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's strange. Too, what do you... Uh, they defend each other too much. What do you think about Erica's transcontinental accent that she picks up? <laughs> <laughs> Erica's ridiculous. And I feel like... She is so villainous. It's it's parody at this point. Like watching her She's roll around in those furs in Aspen and like every room she walk in cackling and being like, it was dismissed. You know, did you see it was dismissed? <laughs> did was you like, see? Oh, did everybody see? Are you happy? She's like, Are oh, you happy? Right. Or when she was yelling sighted at Crystal. <gasps> yeah. Poor Crystal. God. Poor little baby Crystal. She's in the Chicken room. fingers. Need- Chicken fingers. <laughs> Oh, All of it is crazy. Crystal. And it's just, I wish that, uh, I wish she would either completely, I, I suppose she's sort of completely leaned into the villainous role at this point, but it's, it's weird. I just feel like she doesn't get that she's completely villainous. And I'm like, what aren't you seeing? She was just on Watch What Happens Live and they asked her about that. Jennifer Lawrence thing. And she's like, well, I'd Mm. like to pull apart her personality and find the dark parts of her personality. And I'm like, are you not understanding that they're even editing you into a villain role? Like, do you just not get it? Like, are you just not self-aware? Because I feel like I would at least know if I was on this show as I was a cast member and I was watching the episodes, I'd be like, oh, I'm the villain in this show. Like, am I the drama? I think I'm the drama. I don't understand. I don't even think they're editing her to be a villain. I think she is really just so villainous that they're the mm-hmm. editors are like, we don't even have to do anything. They're giving her She's so many monster. chances. They're giving yeah, her so the, many. The women are screaming at her like, just say you're sorry. Just keep the <laughs> earrings, but say you're sorry. And she's like, fuck them. Fuck those <laughs> alleged victims. And they're Crazy. literally pulling her out of scenes because they're, yeah. they're like, you look too awful right now. Like, <laughs> we're pulling you out of the scene because Diana's you just are coming there. across terrible. Diana's like, I love this. Kyle even gave her, Kyle was talking off camera in that moment where she was like, well, no, I can't say that because you're my friend. I can't support that. Like that to me was Kyle being like, okay, cut for a second. Don't say that. I can't defend you. Yeah. Time out. Time out. So uh, Zach and I, Danny, we, this might end the podcast right here for you, but (laughs) we love Diana. We think she's a perfect housewife addition because she's so awful and so 
insane. It's like how like how do you not enjoy watching her with those lizard lips? Well, that's a wrap on me. No, but I <laughs> I understand. I will I understand. say the one thing about Diana that I am going to be disappointed about losing her cuz I know that we're losing her. I mean, I've never yeah. seen in my experience, or at least hearing from people who watch these shows, like I haven't seen a housewife be that disliked in a very long time. I mean, her, I, I wonder they do those like like, Q scores. It's like, I wonder what that Q yeah. score is. Like, I just oh. wish they would release the, release it's the paperwork. <laughs> it's very strange. She must be there just for Asher. I think it's just an Asher. Oh, that's what I'll be upset to lose. Like, I don't want to lose Asher, and I know that we're going to have to. Although, just this morning, this is breaking news. Just this morning, Asher was, like, liking tweets about people hating Diana and, like, how she just joined for Asher and stuff. (gasps) So that leads me to believe, and how she just did the show for his music career and stuff. Like, he was liking all these tweets, and somebody posted about it. Forgive me, I don't know where it was posted, but I... It came across my eyes and I thought, what if he jumps ship? And then what if we just get him with some new lady next season? <laughs> that <laughs> so would be Asher. so funny. With Sutton, <gasps> Asher and Sutton together, Love just it. like on Love a it. baby grand and Sutton just singing some old Southern tune. That oh, I know. Her just going that on. So you, so you say. So I you would say. love that. I would love oh. that. Your mouth to Sutton's ears. Oh. <laughs> And please hear us. Okay, so now that we've talked, I mean, I could Daniel could talk about housewives with you for I know forever and ever until until Kyle gives up hats. And wait, we're just in that'll never happen, and we're just in a good spot with housewives at the moment. I feel like we kind of Mm -hmm. went through a flop era, but right now with Beverly Hills, it's so good, and then Potomac and Salt Lake on the horizon. I'm really upset about the way that they're handling Roni, but we can't get into that right now. I literally will talk about it for four hours. So I know Danny is here to talk about one of the best movies of all time. It's one of the most sentimental, beautiful movies that any of us have watched. I believe we're all roughly the same. I, we're all 35 or 36, right? I'm 18. Okay, cool. So Danny watched this with his mom. Um, <laughs> and uh, anyway, we are doing Father of the Bride. I just, I've only um, seen t- clips on TikTok. That's all I know. <laughs> right, that's right. Yeah, he's on Father of the Bride talk. Um, <laughs> there needs to be that, Zach. Yeah. Before we go, bef- really before we go any further, I should have checked with Danny. Uh, we're doing the Steve Martin Father of the Bride, right? Yes. Did you watch the other one? I mean, I have no. so many thoughts for you guys. I mean, I don't even know where to begin because I, I, really I would love to hear. No, but Danny, I loved. Did you watch it? I did, of course. I would. Yeah. yeah okay, I would love to hear like your if there's anything similar. I want to hear what they did. No, well, I like that they were showcasing a different culture, and that was really yeah. interesting. My main issue with it, and I love Andy Garcia and Gloria Estefan. Mm. I Gloria Estefan, the rhythm got me when I was a kid, and I saw her the last day before I moved away for college. My whole family went to the Gloria Estefan concert because we loved her so much, and I mean, I worship the ground she walks on. So, with that said, my only main issue is that there were no funny, um, there were no set pieces that were funny. Chloe Feynman, who's hilarious from SNL, she played mm-hmm. sort of the Martin Short role. But they just ne- they didn't lean into the comedy. And what I think the Father of the Bride that we grew up with, what it did so well was it combined all the sentimentality with a lot of hilarious set pieces. Like I was just, uh, when I was watching it recently, I was thinking about that scene where George throws the wallet in the pool at the in-law's mm. house. And there's the hot dog situation. And I just felt like the broad comedy was missing from the reboot, mm-hmm. but it had a lot of the other hallmarks that I liked. It did have cozy houses and, and that kind of stuff. And it just had a lot of sentimentality. Am I saying that word right? But yeah. no, Who but knows? I don't think I really laughed much. There was like a couple like smiles with Chloe, but there were no guffaws. I laughed a lot, even watching this for the trillionth time today. Like it was insane. I was so hysterical here- for the full running time of this film today. But- Every time. Martin Short is just brilliant, and and every line of his is funnier than the last. And then you also have like sort of those broad comedy hallmarks. But yeah, wait, just real quick to wrap up the Beverly Hills Housewives stuff. So there's this rumor about this guy from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, the guy who planned Lisa Vanderpump's party. She she she, Kevin Lee. 
And he had put out in the press and in interviews that he was the inspiration for Martin Short's character in Father of the Bride. And it's not true. And people always send me articles and stuff because they know I'm obsessed with Father of the Bride and Housewives. And I had Kimberly Williams, who played Annie Banks and later Annie Banks McKenzie in the film. And she told me no. And Martin Short has in different places basically said, I don't know who that is kind of thing. And I based it off of a few different people. So it's not that it's, that's, it's not true. And Kevin Lee, surprise, God bless, surprise. is going around and telling everyone that it's true, but it's not. Kevin so Lee I, a liar? I can't even believe it, Danny. It doesn't, I feel an obligation doesn't true. <laughs> to tell people that this is a false rumor. You're doing God's work. You're doing the Debunking work. Kevin's yeah. rumors. Okay. Kevin Lee exposed. I will not stand for it. Exposed. Oh my God. That's going to be our, our YouTube exposed. clip. It's just a Kevin Lee going, Kevin oh. Lee exposed. <laughs> I will not stand for it any longer. No, don't. On the Mummy Dearest podcast, we just do a quick little, a couple of quick facts. And we're going to tell you there. I'm sure you already know, but we do this thing where we tell ages of the actors while they were doing the movie. And it always freaks us out to an extent. I'm already freaked out. It's, yeah. yeah. Okay. It's, so it's going to get was, tough sometimes, Danny. It's, it's it gets tough sometimes. This movie was released December 20th, 1991, which makes it a Sagittarius, which... I think that um, George does act like a Sagittarius, like Sonia a little bit. So I'm going to go with that. Um, the budget was $20 million and it grossed $89 million. So not a huge bring-in, but it made its money. Um, the director, the writer, Charles Shire, Nancy Myers. I mean, we literally could go on forever. The Affair of the Necklace. Father of the Bride Part Two, Baby Boom. The composer, Alan Silvestri, who is... A mummy dearest. I have a lot of thoughts about the music as soon as we're ready. (laughs) It's Alan Silvestri um, has done what our listeners will remember him from are The Mummy Returns, Parent Trap, Practical Magic, Volcano, What Lies Beneath, which we're going to do later. It's, um, he's big here. Um, Steve Martin was 46 years old, Diane Keaton was 45. Martin Short. She was like 27. I know. I know. I actually feel, I I feel better about all of this because at least they're older than, at least they're older than us now. No. Yeah, no, totally. Martin Short was 41. Um, Kimberly Williams Paisley was 20 years old. Uh, Karen Culkin was nine. George Newbern was 27. BD Wong was 31. So nothing too crazy with this one. Um, We've had some tough ones in the past. And then a quick plot there was for the one listeners. where Wait, we had... What, what was the most surprising one? We had one where John C. Riley was like 24. And, yeah. and it, it threw me through a... like I, I never imagined him being 24. It was the River old. Wild. It was when we did yeah. the River Wild. Yeah. What a, what Diane Keaton, to me, is someone who's like eternally 51. Mm-hmm. In the same way where like I feel like... Same with Susan Sarandon. Like I yeah. always just think of her as fifty-one, or always, Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz to me is always been thirty-six forever. A hundred percent. Right. Which we is, use that a lot. Which is my yeah. age, and I feel like I feel like I have very Cameron vibes. You're in your Cameron day. Diaz. We're all yeah. I'm thirty-six too. I'm we're in our Thank Cameron you. Diaz phase right now. Some of us are in a more <laughs> successful Cameron Diaz phase than others. I will not name names. Um, but Danny, just to let you know, you are on Estonia's. Ninth favorite comedy podcast as of Wait, what's Estonia? What's a, what, what, it? Is a country, it is a country Europe. that border. It's a country where um, Anne Hathaway is the queen. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it borders Russia. We were just alerted. Danny, obviously, that. <laughs> obviously, you've never charted there, and I'm so sorry for you. <laughs> and I'm sorry to rub that in your face. Yeah. I know you're no, like I'm number two in America. I'm I know you're number two in America, but Estonians, show. <laughs> Estonians are listening to you, Danny. We're opening up a whole new audience for you right here today. So you're Perfect. welcome, sweetie. I need, a, I need that market. <laughs> Give us the plot. Give us the plot, Zach. No one hasn't seen this film. Listen, if you haven't seen this movie, I really can't help you. But the plot is that Annie Banks comes Sloan, home wait, from... Hold on, Zach. I'm interrupting you. Sloan, what did you just do? Did you just snort a line of coke or something? I what did. <laughs> Were people doing coke in your basement? Just, you just like went off camera and then like came back on. Yeah, <laughs> and she did the she did. I did. She did the coke hair flip. She did like the coke hair flip where she was like, oh my God. like you, Danny, you left, your face left screen and then it came back and you seemed energized. 
Oh, I just had to do a quick little bump of uh, of ketamine. I'm just deep in a K-hole right now. I'm a working mom. I just needed my little upper. I need a little upper popper, and now we're ready to go. Give us the plot, Zachy. Oh, oh, God, that was a good laugh. We have fun, don't we? Um, it was Okay, so if you haven't seen this movie, I don't know what to tell you, but this plot is that... Uh, Annie Banks comes home from a semester abroad. She meets a man and she's getting married. And uh, Steve Martin, who plays her father, basically goes on a spiral. Hijinks ensue. The wedding's at their house. And that's that. Um, You know, this movie is one of the most sentimental movies I've ever seen in my life. During lockdown, I said to myself, I can't watch anything serious. I'm already depressed. I'm going to watch Father of the Bride. Bad idea. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's very emotion. It's very emotional. It's very emotional. <laughs> I want actually. I want to ask pose a question to the two of you because you mentioned Alan Silvestri, who did the score for this movie. I think the soundtrack is phenomenal. And going back to sort of that idea of Home Alone, and one of the things that I think they missed with the Home Alone reboot is that the score and Home Alone is memorable and perfect, and it's bombastic and they put money into the score as well as the set design and that kind of stuff, which oftentimes those mid budget or lower budget movies forget that stuff. But father of the bride did both of those things really well. The score is so, so good. And I was making this like fall playlist on my Spotify and I would put in some of the score from father of the bride. And it's the part where uh, they're getting ready for the wedding and Annie and George play basketball in the snow and it's January, but then the music feels very fall to me. And so my question to the two of you is, is do you consider this a winter movie? It's not or a fall movie or do you not consider it either? Like, where do you stand on like, what's this movie's season? Thank you for this question. I wrote this movie, My one of my first notes is this movie is so autumnal to me. It mm. like, it feels just like the first cold snap of the season. And you're just like, oh, I'm about to get, co- I put on a sweater for this, Danny. I'm mm-hmm. literally, I have buckets of sweat pouring down my back right now. But like, <laughs> I'm now, I've, I've entered the fall zone and like, I can't just back out at this point. It's so sure. cozy in fall. What do you think? I feel similarly, it's a fall movie to me, even though the climax is January the 6th as the wedding is. Um, Something that was by the way, January 6th, very interesting. I didn't huh. ever put that together. Wait, was it January 6th in the movie? Now I'm I like, think it was. It yeah, was, but, it was, because I remember being like, excuse me? Yeah, January the 6th, that's front. I wanted to ask Danny about this because he lives in Los Angeles. What... Yes. So why do you think they based this movie in Los Angeles? So this movie is like a very cozy, autumnal, even wintry movie, if you must. But they based it in Los Angeles, where I wanted to ask you, do families like this exist right in the heart of L.A.? Well, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it in Pasadena? I think the house San is Marino. It San Marino. It, sorry, it exists in the Mel Brooks kind of, or not, sorry, Albert Brooks universe of like Muse and Mother. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like it's sort of like a Northern California vibe is what they were going for. Yeah, like I think it's outside of LA, kind of North. Yeah. You're right, Sloan. I think Northern California. And I think it's also very in the same way that like Nora Ephron's New York is different than regular New York. Like when you watch You've Got Mail or something, you're like, oh, this is like the coziest of New York's areas. But when <laughs> yeah. you go there's there, no there's trash on the ground. Yeah. You're like, this is really not cute here. <laughs> Love New York, but yeah, it's a different New York. So, yeah. but yeah, I think it is outside of LA. I think the houses in Pasadena is where they shot that house. I could be wrong. And it snows in sure. Pasadena. We all know it yeah. snows. We know the, another Beverly Hills connection. We got them. To go for miles, we got a hundred. Well, I I have one more for you. I would pay money to see Joanna McKenzie as a Real Housewife of Beverly Hills. Oh my god, she would be fantastic. She would be so fantastic. That house. So the McKenzie's house was so very. I felt like it was very Real Housewives. E two Zach. That Zach. Mm -hmm. That's why we're together. I had that same (laughs) kind of feeling. It just they seemed very. Those are the parents that, for those of you that don't know, those are the parents of the girl that Kimberly is marrying. Yes, Brian's yeah, Brian, parents. Yeah. I Brian. think the houses, 
houses are so important. And oftentimes I know Nancy Myers, who she wrote this movie and her husband at the time, Charles directed it, but she always gets reduced to her like kitchens and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I know that pisses her off. She's been in interviews being like, I hate that people reduce that because she always looks at it as character. And I think you can watch father of the bride and it's like the kitchens and everything are flawless, but they do feel like character. You guys mentioned the in-laws house and theirs feels way more sterile and less homey, but still gorgeous. Mm -hmm. And yet the banks household, it feels more rich, but more cozy. Right. Floral. Yes. Yeah. There's florals. There's Skirted tapestries. Chairs, yeah. Like the moss the... on the house on the outside and the Oh yeah. my gosh. To this day. To this the day. The little piano rift. You guys, when yeah. I I just moved from Miami to Atlanta a year ago, and when and I my husband came up and found the house, bought it. I bought it with him sight unseen. And when we drove oh. up to our house through the neighborhood, I started crying and I said, "This looks like the neighborhood from Father of the Bride." Oh, and I was I so that. happy because it was just like so. It looked so like what I'd always wanted mm-hmm. to live in. And when I saw that house yeah. today, all these years later, I was like, I still want to live in that house. Yeah, I remember oh, watching course. it as a kid, and I should have. Obviously, you should have known that I was gay because this was like one of my favorite movies as a kid. But like, <laughs> I remembered I got the VHS. I made my family watch it all the time. But specifically, I was obsessed with the pans in the kitchen. And you can really Hanging see them in, the I think, the sequel, Over the Island. And I always wanted that. But then as I got to be an adult, it's like, I've, I don't think it's practical because the pans go bad so quickly. Even if you get the nicest set of pans, I feel like they won't look like that. But that was always like a dream of mine to have pans over the island hanging. Yes. Uh, Danny, course. you can make it happen. You think I didn't see your Le Crusette uh, gif? <laughs> those things bitch. are so fucking heavy. Those are so they wouldn't hang. I didn't need how, how did you get the box into your house? Did you have to get like a freight elevator? Like what they, happened? The Dutch the Le Crusade Dutch oven is the heaviest fucking thing. And I they sent me two and I was I wanted to send my mom the extra one. And she's like Dan, I can't use it. It's too heavy. Like your father would have it to eat, move it around yeah. for me because it's so yeah. heavy. You ha- I literally, when I take my Dutch oven out of the out of the oven, I have to seriously employ the help of my husband to like just kind of like make sure everything goes. He has to spot you. Yeah, he has to spot me. Yeah. That thing is with a big loaf of bread inside, or you got a stew in there. Baby, Forget you're it, in a stew. You're not. Yeah, it's a you're workout. In danger. It's mm-hmm. a workout. I mean, it's a beautiful workout. But it's speaking a of working out, Danny, we wanted to say how incredible you look. Oh yeah. Oh, thank you. We but no, like yes. we've been like your like social media presence has been like stud worthy. I mean, like you're like yeah, yeah you're you guys, you're really you. you're really entering. I've been trying Danny. to work out. I'm trying. Been trying to exercise, and uh, I've gotten to the age where I don't even. I don't care about like muscles or anything anymore. It's just like, I'm just trying to stay. Live. Thin. Yeah. Yeah. We, <laughs> yeah. we don't want to have any bypasses or anything like that. That's <laughs> I don't have time. Mom, I don't have time for weights. It's like, Danny, I got it. I also have to tell you a, an impartial third party that doesn't know you. My mother, uh, she, I, she wanted to see a picture of you because she thought that you were my friend from high school for some reason. I don't know how that got jumped. <laughs> Was it a gay head. friend? It was yeah. a gay friend, a very gay – one of sure. my boyfriends. And so I showed her a picture of you, and she still thought you were my friend from school. And she said, oh, my God, he got so handsome. Uh, so you're, so you're better looking you. than her ex-boyfriend. I, I want to but- know what this other ex-boyfriend looks like. You know, on online, sometimes I get mistaken for the Danny from Who's the Boss. Yes. <laughs> Whoa, honestly, Pentoro think- or something? Not because of looks. I think it's just because he's a Danny P. And so yeah. uh, sometimes oh. people will literally just mess. I'm only saying that because this morning I got a message. I'll send you a screenshot if I can find it, but I got a message asking me something about who's the boss. <laughs> like, uh, well, we think you're very handsome. We just had to, we had to take five you. minutes of this show to tell you that you're looking I'm right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I want to talk about the scream at the dining room table when Annie is describing like her engagement and um, Brian. And then she just does that little scream. And wait, at that dinner table scene, when they show the young daughter version, I know one of the young daughters, I don't think, I don't know which one it is, but one of the young daughters is Hallie uh, Shire, who is um, from Beethoven, Nancy and Charles' daughter. No, Nancy Myers and Charles Shire, the director, their daughter, Hallie, who directed the movie Home Again with Reese Witherspoon. One of those younger versions- (sighs) 
There's like three younger versions that yeah. appear between these, the first two the Father of the Bride movies. One of them is Hallie. I do know that. Wow. We're like the Charlie Day. Again? Yes. No. Okay. I have I a lot have. of thoughts about Home Again too, because that was, it's very like Nancy mm-hmm. Myers light. It's Danny, not quite you Nancy. Come, you need to come back on the show, not for a movie you want to discuss, but I, we want to force you to watch a movie on YouTube called Noel. And then you need to come back on for Christmas time. And I need you to see this film. Well, you know, it's I'm like, obsessed with Christmas. Is that Susan Sarandon, Paul Walker? Yes. Yeah. Danny. I've seen it. I've seen it. Danny, what? I've You've seen, seen Noel? I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen it. Of course. Yeah. You, yeah. I'm a holiday movie junkie. I remember that. We, I remember the Danny. poster. I remember the movie. It's wow. crazy. It's the weirdest movie crazy. of all time. We had no plan it's on covering dream. it. I watched it at a friend's house when we took an edible and I was like texting Sloan and I was like, we have to talk about this on the podcast. It's like, it's Penelope Cruz. Alan Arkin. Penelope Cruz. That's who I was thinking of. Alan Arkin. Penelope and Paul are like in an abusive relationship. Robin Williams ghost. It's like batshit insane. Okay, it's the well, only to- the, it's the only movie that would it's the only kind of movie that would get made in like the two thousands where they, yeah. they sort of had a Correct. budget and they had these big stars like that kind of thing I just don't think happens anymore I think yeah. the closest we get to that is those like uh, action movies with uh, Sylvester Stallone that go direct to video mm-hmm. but we yeah. don't get that kind of we don't get that genre of movie it. in that budget or with again. those stars. I do too. Like I want, I want it. it so bad. Yeah. Me too. So um, Danny, can we talk about a, can we talk about a third installment to this franchise? I think, I think you probably already have one in your head. Right. What I need I to see is I need to see grandfather of the gay groom. Right. I agree. And I, I think I that's what see. people were calling for. And they did like a pandemic movie did anyone see the sequel it was like sort of over zoom which was it was always so upsetting when all those places were reuniting over zoom yeah uh and they did a whole like it was called uh father by two and a half or something like that and florence Pugh was in it and ben platt was in it which was upsetting but he's just he just hangs out in zoom meeting rooms just hoping for something to come his way But that sort of ruined the that ruined it because in in that sequel, uh, the Kieran Culkin character who played Maddie, he was with a woman and already married. And so I think a lot of people I felt the same way, Zach, of like I wanted him to get married. And it would have or I liked the idea of like Mother of the Groom spinoff, where it was more about like Diane Keaton letting go of Kieran Culkin and obviously Steve. Well, we can still get that though. We can get that with Annie's son. I just worry that because of that reboot they did with Andy Garcia, and I feel like that ruined our chances of getting, which God bless that movie. Hopefully maybe they're still looking at and being like, okay, we could still do this other one. Mm -hmm. I would love to see Annie's son being gay, marrying someone of color. It would just be like a really good movie. Yeah. Right at I mean, that. I, I, when you're done with Catwoman Academy, we're, we're, we'll we'll offline that, Danny. We've got some ideas for you. Okay, we're going to be okay. pitching a lot of things your way now. Well, but wait, you guys, there's a Nancy Myers just signed a deal with Netflix. She's doing a new movie with them. And she was like semi-retired, like said she wasn't going to be doing anything else. And then I think Netflix offered her a bunch of money and she's doing hmm. something. So huh. she's doing toaster ovens now is what you're alluding to. She's making toaster ovens. Maybe I think so. She she's is. doing something. She's, she's doing, doing she's something. cooking up something, Zach. With she them is pots over the cooking. island. <laughs> okay, should we talk about um like I don't even we have we don't have much time left, Danny, and we have so many things. Like why didn't Martin Short <laughs> Eugene, win an Oscar? Oh. Eugene, Levy, Eugene Levy, Martin Short. I know Eugene Martin Levy's Short. multiverse of madness. Yeah. I think there's just so much. Yeah, because Eugene Levy plays two different characters amongst part one and part two. Uh, Martin Short, yes, completely deserved an Academy Award. And I I actually have a whole, this is lame. I know I'm going back to my book and this isn't meant to be a plug, but I have a whole chapter dedicated to Frank in my book. <laughs> I haven't because, I haven't gotten there yet. I just oh God, got your a book chapter. a couple days ago and I, it, I've been reading it and I haven't gotten there yet and I wish I had. It's called Frank and Fran and it's my dedication to Fran Drescher and Frank from Father of the Bride. But I talk about in there a because oftentimes I think when, especially in the nineties, 
straight men were playing gay characters. They came off as parody and whatever. And I think that Martin, what he does so brilliantly is he's still playing up the hilarious kind of stereotypes, but it still feels like a real human being to me because Mm. it's, it, there's still so many, although he's overly flamboyant, I think there are so many ticks in that performance that Mm -hmm. uh, it, it feels like a real, albeit crazy human being. And it's, so funny and there's heart especially in part two i think he tones down the accent work a little bit but uh, and he said this in interviews martin short has said for the second one he wanted to play with the emotion of the character a little bit more but i think it's such a brilliant performance that should never gets its due because yeah oftentimes when you think of the straight people playing in the early 90s and the characters never explicitly said to be gay although i think everyone reads them as gay especially with bd wong and his relationship in the movie. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I just think it's more layered than he gets credit for and still so funny and still habits. playing with the flam- flamboyancy. Yeah. Like when he's Jiminy Glick, which is like one of my favorite things of all time, the best. The the best. best. Like I'm just like, I'm watching a fully formed man named Jimmy. I, I'm not watching mm-hmm. Martin Short. Like the way he is able to be so him, like be Martin Short, but inhabiting these characters is like, I mean, I know you're a huge Lisa Kudrow fan, but it is a lot like Lisa Kudrow in the comeback where I'm just like, that's a woman named Valerie Cherish that I'm watching. Like, that's a fully formed human being. Right. They're so good. They're such good performers. Totally. If you're that good, you can play with those stereotypes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. And Frank, like, in my family, Frank is a comedic staple. Like, we we always will, you can quote him at any point with any family member. So Uh I always thought that. Yeah, always. <laughs> oh, hello. Mother and daughter pregnant together. Um, oh, the best. I call Paul Papala all the time. My husband, Papala? Paul. I always call Papala from, I mean, it's just everything he says is in- incredible. Yeah. It's just so good. Um, it, I don't know Father of the Bride 2 that well. Do they acknowledge the younger child in Father of the Bride 2? That they have the, a younger child. You mean the Kieran Culkin child? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot he's in about it. him in yeah, this one. I know. Okay. Yeah, he's in it. But that's why I think that the reboot should have been uh, based around was him because he's now in succession. He's very successful. Right. And I think that would have been perfect. The second one, Sloan, you need a I think the second one is just as good. I think it's fantastic the second movie. And it's I'm got some it. different kind of stuff. There's a, a scene speaking of sets, I just have to mention in part two the baby room that Martin Short's oh. character puts together. It's like the coziest, nicest baby's nursery room. Like that's what I I don't have kids, but I always think like if and when we have kids, like I'm gonna rewatch that scene and just like try to recreate it as best as I can. I think everyone Not, did. No, this nursery, <laughs> the nursery in that movie is like where every. That's why everybody has a light, like a big giraffe, like a big giraffe mm-hmm. stuffy in their nursery. Is, is that where of that, that comes movie. from? Yes, I think it does. Yeah, there's a line in this movie that I can't, I can't get past. There's two lines in this movie. I know when he's when they're playing basketball or they I don't think they've played yet and it's snowing and she's like, Oh my god, this is gonna cost you more money and he goes, No, I just know that I'll remember this moment for the rest of my life. Oh, it's so beautiful. It's perfect. And then cry. And then to add on to that, later in the movie, Nina turns the corner on the stairs and he says, I knew I would never remember what Nina wore that night, but I would never forget how she looked. Oh. And oh, Diane looks so good in that outfit at the end, the mother of the bride outfit. I mean, she was that so mother. Beautiful. Oh my god, what that a, is like that was such a timeless '90s mom mother of the bride outfit. The beads. Mm-hmm. Did your Danny? Did your mom ever go out in like a bugle beaded sort of number? Yeah, did she ever I mean, come out in yeah. something like that? Yeah, I, I have two older brothers. They're both married, and I feel like my mom very much wore that kind of vibe for the mother as the mother of the groom. It was like, you know, what's one of the things that just now that I'm thinking about, because we're talking about it that I've never considered is we don't even get one line, one nothing from any sort of bridesmaids or groomsmen in this movie. Isn't that kind of weird? Nothing because, because Nancy and Charles were like, that's not where we're getting this from. Yeah, and good. I mean, they were right, but I'm su- sort yeah. of surprised because every other wedding movie if it would were show made us now, at least one little thing. Well, if it were made now, Aquafina would have been a bridesmaid, and it would have been like this. <laughs> and, they d- and they did that in the reboot. They there's a whole bridesmaids. One of the siblings oh, is a bride. Is there there's a, a bachelorette party? Is there a fucking bachelorette party? I think there. 
I know there's like a club scene. I'm trying to think of, of like what that is. was exactly, but there of there's course. a club scene that I think is like the joint bachelor bachelorette party. I know you have to go and you have a, a a writing job right now, but as a writer, it's like I don't know why they always think we need so many characters. Like focus on just the heart of a few mm-hmm. characters, and you'll give us everything we need. Well, that's I think it. that's. I guess this is sort of a larger conversation, but I do feel like now we always talk about how everything's made by a committee to fit in these uh, boxes of what is successful for like streaming services and stuff. But when I look at all the movies that I love most as a kid and still to this day, the ones that sort of hold on, I always think about how weird they are and how they wouldn't, uh, you've got mail is my all time favorite movie. And there's just, there's dialogue in that that doesn't necessarily move the plot forward, but it's very Nora Ephron dialogue where she's just musing about hats. And I think nowadays, if a production company or, or producers were to get that script, they would say, oh, we'll cut out this one because she says something mm-hmm. similar down the road. But I think that's what's so charming about that. Or I love the movie Moonstruck. And it's so, Moonstruck is such a weird movie. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it'd be the tone and everything, it would never get made because it's too weird. And my main issue I think with movies now is they all feel so cookie cutter and I I don't think we get any of those weird quirks. And so even when we watch a movie that's good, I think we're sort of like, Oh, it's good, but it doesn't stick with us the way that a lot of these movies do because they're just not as unique. We were just watching, we just watched sugar and spice for our Patreon. And like, that was such an example of like that kind of like this in the same vein of like, they don't make them like that anymore because they're just like so offbeat, but not mm-hmm. offbeat enough to be like a truly weird movie. It's just like some things are just slightly off kilter, but that's what <clears throat> makes them so good. Right. There, uh, have you seen that. the movie Jawbreaker uh, from the 90s oh, with yeah. Judy Greer? Yeah, I love it. And it didn't do well, but it became this very cult movie. And now mm-hmm. people reference it all the time. There's a new movie called Do Revenge on Netflix. And it so clearly references the movie Jawbreaker with the costuming and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, I think when you look at Jawbreaker, they're dressed in like 50- 1950s vinyl. And it doesn't look like it's set in 1998. But that's, I think, a lot of the appeal of it. And it's we also did a very whole dark. Show on and, that. We love yeah. that. We did, film. yeah. Yeah, it's we Danny, love that film. Yeah. Yeah. You have been an incredible presence on this podcast. Oh, thank you for having Will me. Will you like literally promise us to come back so we can <laughs> kidnap you for like three hours? Because I have so many <laughs> more questions for you. Yes. And can we do like a holiday? Can we really dive into Noel? Have you guys covered that yet? Can we dive into Noel? Danny, we did it for oh, Patreon. So like three people listen to it. We will absolutely cover okay. it for we'll the We'll do it. Or I mean, pod. we could do another, un- you know, I love an unhinged holiday film. I have a whole holiday spinoff podcast just to talk about Christmas movies because I love it. <laughs> okay. We need to do Noel. Like you have to promise us that we can do <laughs> Noel together because your audience, like you have the plat. I mean, I know we have Estonia, but you have America, and we need America to get on YouTube and watch Noel to see is that if they where can it understand. Is, uh, is that where it's it is? only on YouTube? YouTube. It's okay. only on YouTube. I know that. Um, I know that we're wrapping this up, but I do just have to quickly say, with Noel, the time that I saw it, I was like, sort of really embracing my love of a holiday movie. And I just was okay. renting anything that I had a fucking Christmas tree in it. And I remember <laughs> renting this movie called the Christmas shoes with Rob Lowe. Yes, of course. It's, yeah. It's based oh, yeah, off yeah, yeah. that song. Sure. The Christmas and Annie's shoes, in it. Annie is Banks is in it. Annie Banks McKenzie. Right. So it's yeah. all full circle to uh, Kimberly Williams is in that movie. Kimberly Williams Paisley. And so uh, I rented that movie. Then I rented the sequel to that movie and it was, <laughs> Uh, starring Neil Patrick Harris was not as good as the Christmas shoes. And it was called the Christmas something else. Anyway, I returned that movie to video stores. Cause that's how we used to rent them back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then the person recommended Noel to me, like the, <gasps> the front desk person at a Northeast Ohio video shop was like, Oh, if you liked these, like if you liked the Christmas shoes, <laughs> you, love. you should watch this new movie. It was new at the time. I think what year was it? 2000. It was like early 2000s. I don't know. (laughs) It was some, yeah. I know it was at a video store because, yeah, they recommended Noel. It must have been 2002 or three. And I was like, what the fuck is this? (laughs) Like, I watched it and just, what the fuck? Okay, but after you watched it, were you still like, what the fuck is this? Then, like, days later, you were like, what the fuck? 
I need to rewatch it now because we're talking about it because I'm getting flooded back memories of the Paul Walker and Susan Sarandon of it all. But I need to now I'll come back because I need to unpack it. You, we need to unpack Noel because for the last year I've been waiting to unpack it again because I, I just need to, I need to rewatch it to try to get to the bottom of the mystery of the blackmail involved in making this film because it doesn't make sense. The direct, by the way, look up who the director is and then you're really going to, it's going to add to the level of mystery. So you guys gave me homework to do and I can't wait. I know. Sorry about that. We'll we'll come, I'll come back and we have, we didn't barely scratch the surface with father of the bride. It's so beautiful, such a stunning movie. And I apologize to your listeners that we took all the time talking about Beverly Hills. No, they they want both. They They're so all. good. And the sequel, Sloan, you have to rewatch the sequel. I'm going to do my homework, Danny. Check out the reboot and see. I'm curious what you think, but it's just, uh, I don't know that it's something I would go back to the reboot, but I'm sure that there are people who love it because it wasn't a terrible movie. It was just, you know, not. That's very oh, Mummy Dearest podcast of you. We A lot of times we say, we like that movie a lot. We'll not, we will not watch it again, but it was and- good. That's how every movie I watch nowadays, the new movies I'm watching, yeah. I'm like, I'll never go back to that. I want no. these movies. Where are the movies now where we're going to go back to them? I don't know. It's true. I think it's, it just might be Noel and that's it. Well, Danny, where can people <laughs> find you and where can people buy your book? Um, I'm at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok. And then my book is called How Do I Unremember This? Um, it is available now. There's also a audiobook if you want to listen to it but please pick it up because there's a whole chapter dedicated to frank and fran drescher can i ask you really quickly because i your i was taking your book upstairs the other night and it fell open to like i don't know page like 101 or something and so it's chapters obviously it's little stories and I've been reading it out of order. Should I start at the beginning? I read no, the introduction read no. and then I went to page 100 because it opened there and I was like, oh, that's, no, that's you funny. Can, it made me laugh. You could completely read it out of order. There's, okay. It's just – I you could read it in one sitting. I, it's an easy book to read. There's tons of nostalgia and pop cultures. So, like there, so it might not be appealing to people if you're not like an early – or a 90s or early 2000s pop culture junkie. But if you are, hopefully you'll enjoy it. And there's so – That's good. who's listening. Yeah, that's that's, that's yeah. who's listening. <laughs> You're selling some books today, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and, and the next book will be out next year, and it's a holiday collection. So I haven't told <gasps> anyone that, but that, that's what we're doing. So, oh! it, so since we're talking Will about Noel, maybe there'll be a whole chapter news? about Noel. Maybe it'll be a whole Noel chapter. <laughs> I'm gonna call. I'm calling Us Weekly right now. I'm gonna say Danny Pellegrino. I know I'm he's calling not Radar in Estonia. <laughs> okay, call Lisa Vanderpump to call Radar Online right now. Danny, seriously, this. thank you. You have thank seriously you been so like. Much. I mean, it's really been amazing to have you on. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Yes. I'm so glad we got to do this. Thank you guys. Have a great thank weekend, and you. I love you all, everyone who listened. Thank you, and I love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Mummy Dearest podcast. See you next time. And remember, don't read from the Book of the Dead. Beverly Hills, darling. She, 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 she.